Hey, Chad. Yes, Colin? If you could tell LeVar Burton one thing about Edmonton, what would you tell him? I'm sorry. Almost live from Daryl Kate's secret underground petting zoo, this is The Unknown Studio. I'm Scott. I'm Adam. And we are your hosts. And today we're doing something that we would never otherwise do on our show. We are actually making Whoopi. Because we've got Chad and Colin from CGSR's making Whoopi right here on our show. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello. Thank you. We're very gratified to have them here. The fact is that we've wanted to have them on the show for a while, partly because we have been on their show. Yeah. And then we never reciprocated. No, and and it was a well partly because Scott said he really did not enjoy being on <laughs> making Whoopi, did, and uh, the feelings mutual. Did we didn't we give you Danishes? I can't remember if we did. We, either you got Danishes or you promised Danishes and you didn't get Danishes. We received Danishes. Oh, you did. Okay, you're the, you're the one of the rare ones then. And and we got you exactly nothing. They weren't no, Samsonowiches, which were discussed on that episode. <laughs> you guys gave uh, gave us. Uh, I at least have an unknown studio mug. Yeah, I have, mug. I have an unknown studio mug. It's oh, a mug, yeah. and it's, it's in my office, and I put things in it. I have it in my cupboard. Plus, we have memories. Plus, <laughs> yeah, you can't. You, and you can't put a, put a price on those. No, no, you can't. Well, forty dollars. Forty dollars a memory. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair deal. I will Pretty give good. you. I will give you forty dollars yeah. for a memory of what we're buying. And so we wanted to have Chad and Colin on the show because uh, they deserve it. They're interesting. And we figure that this could basically constitute the nerdiest episode of The Unknown Studio that we've ever done. Now, I will go on record saying that uh, in preparation for this show, Adam and I discussed what we should talk about. And I said we should prepare exactly one question, which will be asked momentarily. And I was fairly confident that the rest of the conversation would just take care of itself. I'm not expecting to be disappointed. Do you have that question? I do. Tell us about your show, gentlemen. Oh. Uh, uh. <laughs> what would you like to know about it? Oh, this is going swimmingly. <laughs> uh, I do have a, a very specific question. Sure. Why are you obsessed with Mel Torme? That's uh, the Mel Torme, like the intro song, Making Whoopi, by Mel Torme and the Meltones. <laughs> Uh, that one actually was chosen by the original uh, host of Making Whoopi. Oh, was, yeah, there's a history. Yeah. There, there's a history to this show. So you inherited Making Whoopi in a way. Technically, uh, a friend of mine. I'm from Spruce Grove, which is an awful place. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, no good comes from there. Except you. No. No good. <laughs> it's true. So anyway, a friend of mine uh, was uh, volunteering at CJSR before I was. And uh, he managed to, he was doing a lot of fill-ins, and he would always start his fill-ins with Making Whoopi, that, that particular song. And then uh, he asked me to be his um, co-host for a morning show that he was going to snag. Um, I guess because he knew I liked music a lot, and that would work well with the two of us. So anyway, he opened it with that, and then he just called the show Making Whoopi, and it was that from then on. And, and do you feel comfortable making Whoopi every Tuesday morning? Every yeah, well, it should be done once a week, and we do it once a week. In Seems healthy. Seems healthy. Totally. Yeah, so, that's it. That's that. We play eclectic music and talk about nerdy things. I think it's one. It's one of those names where if you're if you're not familiar with the show, you'll you'll get that sort of that connotation that oh, it's something saucy. But as soon as you listen to one episode, you quickly discover, yeah, nothing could be further furthest from the truth. I have it on good authority actually that Making Whoopi is the top show on CJSR 
Tuesday mornings in that time slot. Yeah, it's the top-rated yes. show at I've, that time. I've heard that same thing. In fact, it is the most popular show on CAJSR called Make and Whoopi. That's also factual. So congratulations Where to you Where we've guys. reached wow. the mountaintop. Finally. I, I might I might tear up for a second. <laughs> it's really nerve-wracking. Oh, my man. goodness. It's it's amazing. It's amazing. So so you got you inherited it sort of. Yeah, pretty much. And then you invited this yokel on board. No, no actually, actually. Um, <laughs> John, my old co-host John, who was awesome, uh, he left the show. He was done. So I hosted it by myself for a while, which is boring. Doing a show at seven in the morning by yep. yourself, not fun. Yeah. And then I just emailed the program manager, and I was like, "I want a co-host. I'll train people. So just send me someone to train." And they never got back to me ever. <laughs> and then two weeks later, I was about to go on the air, and then the door buzzer went, which is annoying because you're about to go on the air, and there's no one else in the station to take care of it. So I went to the front. I was like, "What?" And it was Colin. He's like, "I'm here for on-air training." I'm like, "Duh, come really? inside." Yeah. How so, long ago was that? Oh, uh, uh, three years. Four ago? years ago. Three or four. How many years. fun drives have we done? That's kind of how we keep track. We just did our third fun drive. Okay. So, so about four, four years of spring. Yeah. So then uh, I was just like, I was about, to, I was like, this is the board, and like the time was going. So I was like, do you want to be on the air or not? And Colin just said, yeah. And then I, that was it. So um, what was that first show together like? Was no, it, I can't remember. No. I remember it was it was a while before we kind of got in sync, and uh, like, and for my end of it, I was I was actually volunteering at CJSR just writing ads, and that's all I really wanted to do was just write ads, hang out, have fun. We used to go to the Black Dog at the time, mm-hmm. and then there was an email that went out said, "Hey, we're looking for people to do on air training," and I thought, "Well, you know, I can be on air every now and again. It might be fun." So I said, like, and I told them that uh, mornings would work best for me because I wasn't a student; I had a day job. So, so I was told to show up Tuesday morning, and you know Chad would train me. So I get to the door, buzz it. He's just as surprised to see him as I am, and he's like, "What are you doing here?" And I'm like, "I'm here for training." He's like, "Oh, no one told me, but that's okay." Yeah. So, but I remember what it was actually. It was a while, I think, before we actually kind of, kind of became sort of like a little bit in sync, a little bit. And I remember we actually had a meeting with the then program manager, and he pulled us aside one day, and he said, "Like, guys, I love your show." And it's it's got all this stuff energy and it has this like really intelligent humor. And I remember we both kind of, <laughs> we both looked at each other like say what? And you were like, no one's ever accused me of that. Before. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You felt it was an accusation. Yeah, yeah, it was sort of intelligent humor. Really, we talk about we did an entire episode on fart jokes last week. <laughs> we talk about breakfast and Star Trek, and that's pretty much it. Those apparently really... at seven o'clock on a Tuesday morning. That's exactly what people want to hear. Yep. Those, those yep. are the two things you need to start your day. I Pretty don't think much. so. Yeah, we, we like to run on like the total basics yeah. of of radio. That's, that's, that's Hunger, it. and you science know, fiction, and and staying home. We used to tell people to stay home a lot. We, we still do oh, yeah. every week. Yeah, every reason, week. For, we much. find reasons for people to stay home. Don't go hooky. to work because what's the point? Go outside. Go have fun. Enjoy your life. Well, you can if you listen to CJSR at seven o'clock. On <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now. Uh, do you, does your audience appreciate the Star Trek aspect of the show? I mean, what, how do you know? We know how we're doing because people download the show. Mm-hmm. Do people have ratings boxes or whatever for CJSR? No, we don't subscribe to that at the station. I guess we did like a long time ago, but like you have to pay for that and it's and expensive. It, and, and it's a it radio station. And yeah. it's depressing. No one's like, ever told us they don't like it, so that's sort of my barometer. Like we have, we've gotten very few negative uh, feedback from people. That already sets them a bar above us. Yeah. yeah. 
because we get nothing but negative feedback. People hate really? People. Oh, yeah, constant. That's um, that's how you know you're doing something good. If people hate you, that means there's an even bigger segment. Here's the thing, though. It's always the same people complaining, so that also means they're our most loyal listeners. <laughs> there you which go. Which is kind of strange. You guys were bad last week, but this you're, week you're even worse. Yeah, you're the host they love And surely when I tune in next week, <laughs> it'll be the worst one yep. yet. Yeah, and and really they're just, it's, call, it's kind of like uh, the two old dudes from The Muppet Show. Oh, perfect. It's like being attacked by them constantly. But you, they don't usually throw Waldorf bricks through. Waldorf, what was the other one? Waldorf, Stetler, and Waldorf. Stetler and Waldorf. Yes. Well done. Ho, 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 ho. Good times, the Muppet Show. <laughs> really did enjoy Absolutely. that show. Did, that was, did everybody else enjoy Muppet Tonight? I liked Muppet Tonight. I thought it was Muppet good. Tonight. Yeah, I thought, it was like the you, follow-up series. They, 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 they did a reboot of it. Yeah, it was like Saturday Night Live. But like a late, but with the Muppets, late yeah. 90s, like, we're going to bring the Muppets back and they're going to be cool again. It was well, like we're going to put that show. dreadlocked catfish as the host yeah. instead oh, of Kermit yes, the Frog. I, I thought it was good. That. I thought it was, I thought I, it was I enjoyed it. enjoyable. I yeah. don't remember uh, what I thought of it. I just remember that it exists. It had a lot of Rizzo the Rat, as I recall. Yeah, Rizzo, I feel like Rizzo's overused. Yeah, yeah. That's because the guy who does Rizzo's voice and the guy who does uh, Gonzo's voice, Frank Oz, yes, have really good chemistry, and they can just go for like hours oh. in character apparently, and that's actually why they got paired up as like a buddy duo on the show, really, and in all the movies is because they they can just sit down and in character go for an hour and have people in stitches, huh? I still feel like Rizzo's overused, and that but that's is chemistry why. <laughs> right there, I guess. I guess. So who was your favorite Muppet? What? My favorite Muppet? Yeah. You, uh, yeah everyone's got to have a favorite Muppet. Swedish Chef. Really? When, I was, when, I, was, when I was a kid and the Swedish Chef used to come on, I would lose it. Like, I would be on the floor in tears laughing. I don't know what it was. And it could be, it didn't matter where I was. Well, it's because Swedish people sound stupid. Yeah, like it must have been. <laughs> just everything about it just made me laugh. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I could I, not I, contain my laughter. I think that would probably be the same for me. I, I was fond of... Uh, of uh, animal too because he liked to beat the hell out of everything. Yeah, yeah. I think it's harder to find a, a, a Muppet I wasn't a huge fan of. I guess. Yeah, there's no Muppets. Telly I Telly like. was a total pushover on Sesame Street. Telly monster. Yeah, he was that red non yeah. non I'm Elmo monster. Worried. That's like right. That guy. <laughs> and then on the Muppet Show, like I like pretty much everyone except for Miss Piggy, who I always thought was pushy and annoying. I never found her funny. Yeah, she was basically the uh, the cougar of the Muppet Show. Yeah. The the swine cougar. Mm-hmm. Cougar swine. I think that's a German insult, actually. It could be. Sveinkugel. I, uh, exactly I, I have to kind be. of agree, actually, uh, in that I can't... I, it would be, I would be harder-pressed to find a Muppet that I did not like yeah. in some fashion. Um, well, if anyone's listening to the show and they can think of a Muppet they don't like and have a legitimate or at least passable reason for it, I'd like to know. Whoa, we got to stop there because, like... Muppets are like, there's generation gaps in Muppets now, right? That's true. Yeah. So, like, all these, like, if you try to turn on Sesame Street now, there's, like, lots of Muppets that are completely unrecognizable and all really, really bright colors and loud noises. And mostly Elmo is the main character. It's like when, like, it's going to go into comic books now, but it's like on Spider-Man when they made the Venom character. They're like, Venom's pretty awesome. Let's make another one. And it was Carnage, who was just, like, more Angry insane. Venom. Yeah, and yeah. then they, like, made Carnage spawn, who was... Even they're just all in s- completely crazy. Symbiotes. How about how about let's refine the, the only it's uh, with Elmo instead of Venom. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Elmo's like another that. Elmo to Venom reference. We're <laughs> gonna have a lot of those this show. But if yeah. if you can think of a, a Muppet from the era of the Muppet Show and its heyday back in the eighties, then I want to know about. That's it. a dangerous line to tell too, because you might say someone might come in and say I didn't like this Muppet, and there could be a legion of like if you didn't like Fozzie Bear or something like that. You just, could probably start an or, international uh, ex- or incident. Beaker. Like yeah, there could be. That's 
Just, you're, you're telling me you believe there are people who don't like Beaker? I would think there's probably someone who's like, I don't, I don't like, like that guy. I don't like Beaker. I don't like his you mouth. Me, 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 me. Looks like a steam pipe. Yeah. Looks like a what? Looks like a steam pipe. <laughs> he does. He does. He looks like he'd be that, that whistle on a train or something. <laughs> He's supposed to look like a Beaker. Well, yeah. Just but like, Bunsen doesn't, Dr. Bunsen does not look like a Bunsen. He does burner. look like a honeydew, though. That's true. True. That's true. That's very, very true. I think that's his first name. No, Benson Honeydew. Oh, right. That's his last name. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, I guess, right? Yeah. Were you guys fond of pigs in space? Yes. Yes, absolutely. I remember one oh, episode yeah. where they were okay. turning into vegetables, but that's the only pigs in space I vaguely remember. And they were they were totally making fun of Star Trek. With oh, them. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think, is that why we like Successfully. I recently so. saw a pigs in space uh, toy set. No way. Yeah, because they've been releasing everything. You can get collectible action figures of everything now. And they've been had some Muppet ones out for a while, and they had a, a big boxed set with the Pigs in Space set, hmm. and it came with, uh, it only came with one of them, though. It came with, like, the captain, the guy with the Oh, coif. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the handsome and, Kirk-like man, yeah. pig. But, and, uh, and then you would have had to have gotten the other two separately, I presume. But uh, but it still, it had the full set for it. It was quite interesting. I was impressed. Now I want it. Did they have the, that announcer voice over at the end of that sketch, or just af, af, after the hospital? Pigs, ones? pigs, pigs, like, tune in, in, tune in, in next in week. Space, you know, space, space. Such and such, say. Was that only in, the, only in the hospital sketches they used to have that? I think that was in the hospital sketch. Okay, I was I was a big with fan of that too. when Ralph was a surgeon. The, the Ralph the dog was a surgeon. Yep. Yeah, tune was... in next week and <laughs> when you'll hear Nurse Piggy say, "What a what a weird show." Wasn't there always a news anchor who had something fall on him every episode? Yes. Yeah, the yes. Falcon or the Hawk yeah. or whatever. Whoever. No, that's, you're thinking the Sam Eagle. the Eagle, but there was yeah. actually like a Muppet a Muppet news update, and oh. he would come it's out. Time for another Muppet news. Yeah, he had like a little suit. Oh, I might be thinking of Guy Smiley now. Uh, that's not quite. He was a game show host, guy. and he <laughs> was on Sesame Street. Yeah, that's right. I confuse the uh, family sometimes with the peripheral Muppets. Now, were Ernie and Bert actually gay? Like, I remember uh, someone saying these that they no. actually came out and were gay together. No, the, but they did get rid of Bert. Oh, really? Yeah. He's like off Sesame Street now. They killed him off. No, well, they oh. didn't kill him <laughs> off. But apparently, he got like what? fighting dudes. From what I've heard, lost. he's been like flushed down the toilet or something. Like the Muppet had Which someone like, accidentally flushed. Yeah, him. like he, like he, he, you know, he disappeared because he, like, he went no, not down the toilet because toilets are gross. But he probably did go down the drain in the bathtub. I think oh. that's what it was. So, t- telling kids that they could possibly get sucked down <laughs> the drain in the bathtub is probably the most horrifying thing possible. Let's be fair. The best Sesame Street Muppet was the Count. Uh, yes. Yeah. True. Yeah. True. Indisputably. He was so delightfully sinister in a weird way. I mean, I hated Matt. Being a, and he's a also clearly a vampire, Indeed. so yeah, he yeah. has to be killing people yeah. on a regular basis. So Unless he do a dark side of Sesame Street. Like, even if it was like a graphic novel. There yeah. is Avenue Q. Yeah. yeah, that's more like the hipster, seedy underbelly of New York side of Sesame Street. I'm just saying. It's an alternative that yeah. basically functions on the same. So you'd want to see the world actually body. like, you know, sucking other Muppets blood or something. Yeah. Like that. yeah. I presume yeah, that he that actually may on. feed on numbers. Actually, so. <laughs> I mean, he must eat like uh, he probably eats. Oh, he could yeah, feast off the numbers. But uh, I think the Muppet way of eating is just putting things up to your mouth and then dropping them. So he'd probably just be splaying blood onto his, his <laughs> face. <laughs> <laughs> like the way Cookie Monster eats, just like cookies, but they all get everywhere, um, but he still nom, ate nom. them. Or it would be more uh, like it would be more like. Uh, he would be gnawing om nom nom on a person's neck, and yeah. blood would be kind of spurting from their neck, yeah, but not actually like, going in his mouth. Yeah, no. angle their neck. It neck. doesn't, yeah. Another neck mauling. Ah, ah. 
occurred. Uh, uh, One, two, three bites. Ah, ah, ah. Uh, joy. This is pleasant. It's very pleasant. Really good. Thanks for having us. Yeah, you're very welcome. It was about time. It was about time. I, I, I was always really fond of, I'm not going to stop talking about Muppets. I was, Why would you? Because that would be crazy. Right? I was always really fond of the giant Muppets, but Chad's going to say something. There is apparently a new Muppet movie in the works for this really? year. Because I have also heard that, yes. This year is like the big year for the most amount of remakes or sequels, yeah. and or sequels. Most amount there that ever have been released in a single year. So like Hollywood got together and like, guys, this is the year. This is the year we don't come up with a single original let's idea. Let's just quit. Well, let's look quit. Let's look at that like Dancing original movie from it. last year, like Inception. How did that do? Yeah. yeah, who Bomb. saw that movie? Yeah, let's just remake that the Rocky sucked. series. <laughs> totally, <laughs> they, they did that already. That. Yeah, they did that. So what Muppet, are, there's what, a Muppet movie coming out this year that's going to apparently be reintroducing the Muppets, like to starting. a new generation. Perfect. Yes, I'm okay with that. What do you guys think? Do you think kids will be into that? Do you think that Muppets are? Uh, I think they're universal. Really? Now that they're out on DVD, especially, I know they have a YouTube many, channel too. Yes, I know many parents actually who went and bought the classic Muppet Show collections and show them to their kids. And really? It crosses the generation gap. Like, yeah. the, their kids will sit and watch Enraptured for hours. Except when a guest comes on and they're like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> who is Elton John? You know what? I didn't, long since when I was little and I was watching the Muppet Show, I didn't yeah, have a clue who yeah, these people were. It doesn't really so. matter. Yeah, I would think so, and it's plus you know it's safe entertainment too, right? You know, forget and, if you're, you're our age, you know, giving it to your kids, you know, you know what you're getting into, and you'll still enjoy it too because it's very nostalgic. Yeah, and in retrospect, had a lot of intelligent humor. Did yeah, but will the new like Muppet like reboot stuff do that? Will it just be pandering more to children? I don't know. I don't know that the. Th- I hope it's not pandering. I would I would say no because the general I want to say um, uh, direction that children's television has been going in recent years has been to present something they they know that parents are often forced to watch TV with their kids. So they present something that is accessible on two levels, on a very basic level that the kids will get and on a more cerebral level that their parents yeah. will get, that the kids will be completely oblivious to. And, like, I can point to SpongeBob Square. SpongeBob. Brilliant show. I can point to the Powerpuff Girls. I can point to, even in movies, Shrek had yeah. a lot yeah. of references no kid would ever get. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's the kind of entertainment that... Uh, people are going for now because it is so accessible on both levels that you're you have a wider audience and your parents are lo- more likely to not go insane. Mm-hmm. But the the old like Muppet movies didn't have to do that. They were just the characters are so enjoyable. They, well, they were family yeah. movies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But like I don't know, follow that bird. That's a sad, sad film right there. I'm not familiar with What's that. Follow, follow that, that bird. bird? That's when you know Big, that's big a... Bird gets lost. Lost. Oh, he gets yeah. like kidnapped by an evil circus. Ooh. Indeed. Then they paint him blue for no reason. <laughs> well, we've all wanted to see him blue. I um, guess so. No, wait, that's not that correct. No. Yeah. Wah, wah. He blew himself? Yes. No, someone else blows him. I uh, think I'm most <laughs> familiar with the Great Muppet Caper. I think that's the one that I am most familiar with. Of the classic the classic Muppet films. My uh my most well known Muppet film is uh, Muppet's Christmas Carol. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Actually, oh wait, uh, I watched, I, I had the, like, soundtrack LP for um, Muppets Take Manhattan. Was that a good one? Uh, I think it's a bad one. 
Uh, I know Kermit and Miss Piggy definitely get married in the end. Oh, then it's terrible. Yeah, which is really dumb. That was, I think that was the first Muppet movie that Rizzo played a, a huge role in it. Yeah, because they're in New York. That might have been his coming out. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 and... Rizzo the Rat. Yeah. They, like, they live in a, they, one of, some of them work in a restaurant that is, like, just filled with rats. The rats are, like, the staff, basically. So I weird. seem to recall that. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of having memories percolate. Does it hurt? Someone not, it's been a yet. while since not I've yet. watched a lot of the Muppet movies. We need to stop talking about Muppets now. <laughs> My brain is a soft, cushy, plush mess. I was going to ask if you guys think that shows like SpongeBob and Powerpuff Girls are really hard to write. Like, or if you just come up with an idea and you can add some adult elements to it or just make it a kid's I show. I wouldn't think so. I think it'd uh, be a lot of fun to work on it. You can sleepwalk your way through a children's television script. Like, you don't need anything, right? So you just got to fill it with jokes that you like. and then I guess so. Make it, like, get the message out, and then you're good Sanitize to go. And also get some, get some pop culture references that yeah. kids won't get. Or will get on a very basic level where they'll, they'll be like, oh, that's funny. I don't know why, but it's yeah. funny. Yeah. And the parents behind them are going, bah, ha, ha. Yeah. I watched Star Trek when I was young, and I get that reference. Hmm. Agreed. Maybe we should write our own children's cartoon. Oh, please. How many times have I tried to do that? Three. Never. How many times have you? Never once. Oh, okay. Oh. That was well, a good idea. But yeah. you need a you need a crazy character or something. And it would have to be based in Edmonton since, you know, we're all about the Edmonton stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what we do. That's how we roll. Also yeah. you'd need animators. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I don't and, know any uh, of those. No. We're I've not, got Sharpies <laughs> and I've got napkins. Sharpies and napkins. You can make this work. We can we can build something out of this. I feel like I feel like we've cartoons arrived. are just done on the internet, like just with computers anyway, so they all look the same and it won't be that bad. You still need to know how to use the computers to make animation, though. And I'm fairly confident to say that all four of us combined do not possess that knowledge. No, uh, yep. you could, I could just use MS Paint and then. Make a PowerPoint presentation. Oh, there you go. I actually want to see this. That'd be so bad. No rules. No censors. It's Adam Rosenhart Unleashed. I have a beef with you, Mother Nature, for continuing to flummox me with your random, strange, and fantastical creations. Take the jellyfish, for example. We're meant to believe that this strange, translucent creature actually exists, that its sting allegedly requires you to piss on yourself to neutralize it seriously. These things can get colossal, by the way, like sinking ships, buried treasure, and monsters of the sea colossal. And what about the duck-billed platypus? Unhappy with the mammalian species, Mother Nature sought to seriously pull a fast one on us. She makes it look like a duck, and then she decides that it's going to lay eggs. But it has two distinct traits that make it, you know, not a duck. The fact that it feeds its young with breast milk, and the fact that it's covered in hair. And don't even get me started on zebras, manatees, or those giant plants that smell like rotting flesh to attract prey. These are the bizarre creations that nature comes up with, and yet... Contemporary society insists on prohibiting the use of illicit drugs? Throw us a bone, Mama N. I mean, there are mystical creatures that have never even existed that seem far more plausible than a translucent stinging creature whose only apparent goal in life is to get humans to whiz on one another. 
Why not actually produce a unicorn, huh? How about a horse w- with a horn on its head? Or a pegasus, since we're talking about horses. I mean, you basically mocked the pegasus when you created the ostrich and the emu. Hell, at this point, a minotaur even makes more sense than a duck-billed platypus. The point here, Mother Nature, if I could be so bold, is that the world is a confusing enough place to the members of the species that supposedly sit on top of the food chain. Throw us a bone, lady. Or at least, throw us a creature we can actually wrap our heads around. Like my cat. Now a cat makes sense to me. Well, except for the fact that mine has 24 toes. Ah, fuck it. I guess if we're going to live on this planet, I don't need to fully understand how it works. But an egg-laying mammal? Sweet Jesus. I feel the need to interrupt Adam's ridiculous ranting here with a major counterpoint to his argument. The monotreme is a beautiful, wondrous part of nature. A throwback to a simpler time when mammals weren't the dominant creatures on the food chain. Native now only to Australia, where all monsters and beasts of mythology now live, and, of course, New Guinea, the monotreme is an egg-laying mammal, and the platypus is not the only member of the family. The echidna, a spiny anteater, is also a member of the monotreme family. To suggest that the admittedly unique platypus is somehow a singular anomaly shows a fundamental misunderstanding of taxonomy. Moreover, it impugns upon one of my favorite animals, the majestic duck-billed platypus. And that's all I have to say about that. Time to check the old email. Dear Jeff and Sally, what the heck's the Edmontonian.com? Adam and Scott. Well, Adam and Scott, the Edmontonian's a local news and information website, but it's collaborative, so anybody in Edmonton can write and create content for us And it's all things Edmonton. News, neighborhoods, sports, arts, events. Sally, can you get off the phone? I'm trying to answer emails. TheEdmontonian.com. On the internet since 2009. Now, uh, before we go on, uh, we should take a moment to discuss some very special people to us. Near and dear to our hearts. Uh, our sponsors. They're wonderful, aren't they, Scott? They are. They've and actually... you know who the first of those sponsors are? <laughs> well, it's got to be those ink-stained wretches over at the, the Edmonton, Edmonton Journal. Show. That's right. They saw fit to sponsor our show when no one else would. And... Uh, we're most gratified by their continued support of the Unknown Studio. In fact, they donated prizes to a contest we currently have running. If you call one five zero nine two five two zero one eight five, that's our gift of gab listener line, and leave a message telling us your most embarrassing story ever. You could win Citadel tickets and a sixty dollar Edmonton Journal jacket. Now let's uh, move on to what the next prize is. Oh yes, uh, donated by our next sponsor. Those wonderful people at Edmonton's sex-positive store. That's right. The, the traveling, traveling Tickle, tickle trunk. trunk. Yeah. Brenda Kerber and her staff of uh, sex minions. <laughs> that stays. <laughs> no, they're not sex minions. They're, they're people who are enthusiastic about helping improve your sex life. And they are supporting the Unknown Studio by giving away a $100 gift certificate. So you can buy... The top-of-the-line vibrators, if you so choose. Or some 
naughty under things yes. of the edible variety. That's if you win third place in our embarrassing story contest. But what would be the first place prize? Well, that would have been donated by our third illustrious sponsor. Illustrious. I think they'll like that. Edmonton's Hogwarts of online media development. Yes. Guru Digital Arts College. And it's funny that you would say illustrious because they have a new program at Guru all about illustration. Uh, And one of their teachers is Nat Jones, a famous uh, artist who's drawn Spawn comics, among many other things. Um, And they have donated a $200 iPod Touch. You could win first uh, as our first place prize for the most embarrassing story contest if you call one five zero nine two five two zero one eight five and leave us your story. We actually, because uh, we spoke to children's author Marty Chan recently, mm-hmm. and he actually mentioned that it is actually somewhat difficult to write, at the very least, a children's book mm-hmm. or a youth book because yeah. you're not a kid. You need to know. You need to know the kind of things that they're going to connect to and that they're going to make connections to. Uh, You need to soften your language. Mm -hmm. You need to not be offensive, which is obviously would be a challenge for all four of us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fuck yeah. And uh, I, I actually, my hat is off. I think that it is very challenging to write something that is accessible and enjoyable and entertaining for a younger audience than you, primarily because of the generation gap. Yeah. Many of, the, uh, many of the would-be novelists or, or future authors that I know that I don't hold in very high regard, some of them anyway, uh, believe that the immediate um, best route for them is to write a children's book. Like that's the way to get their foot in the uh, doors? Yeah, right? yeah, really? Start, oh, that's mm, odd. That, yeah, to yeah, me, I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't, I think, I don't that think they're so. just presuming it's easy because J.K. Rowling hit it out of Agreed. the park. Well, yeah. you know, you can do that if you want to just write children's books, I think. But I don't think if you start with children's, I don't think it's. I don't think anyone's going to take you seriously. <laughs> Nobody remembers Stephen King's that. earlier children's works. <laughs> I have a signed copy. <laughs> they were so disturbing. Children of the Corn. <laughs> Prison Rape by Stephen King. A children's novel. Don't worry. It's karma. It's like all of his prison movies. They're all about karma. They are. Made prison movies? <laughs> Shaw- well, I mean, Shawshank he didn't make. Okay. Uh, he but wrote- he wrote the novella. Okay. And The Green and Mile. The Green Mile. Oh, as well. okay. There you go. And, oh, and, any mo- and let's be fair. If we're talking about prison movies, Running Man is also in there. Did he? He did. He wrote. He wrote Running Man. He wrote the original short story. Yeah. Wow. You're shitting me. Under, under oh, wow. his pen name. I, really? I did know that. It was just buried. That's, That's awesome. wicked. Running Man is such a badass movie. I love that thing. It is bad and badass. It actually. is. It's one of those movies that is so terrible it becomes terribly awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll be back. Yeah. Only in reruns, pal. Then <laughs> I'm gonna shoot myself. That was the real Richard. Sub Zero. Now. Plane Zero. Any movie that gives you that line, (laughs) like, and it makes sense in the context of the scene, that's, that is Oscar-worthy writing. You've created a a game show where people must literally fight to survive, and you've named the host Killian. Uh, That is brilliant. I presumed that that was just a happy coincidence. Really? Yeah. You don't think the writers were clever enough to go, we should call him Killian. What does it mean? I don't know. It just sounds cool. It's got you, the word Ian in it. Have you guys seen the like the, the <laughs> Running Man precursor Death Race 2000? Yes. 
Yeah, I have the, not. Not the not the remake. No, that doesn't count. No, no I've no. seen the remake. But the original Death Race, yes. Yeah, Death Race 2000. That's where the um, you know, when when people are driving down the street, you see a pedestrian. Somebody says pedestrian twenty points. That is where that originated. I thought I invented that. No, Sorry. that comes that. from Sorry. Death Race. I think everyone naturally thinks of murder when they're driving, but uh, <laughs> no, it was established in that film. So what that, is it? Uh, you is get it? points for killing people by driving them down on the road. Really? Right? This is, it was it was the like solution the to overpopulation. Yeah. That's nothing like the remake. I know because wow. the remake took place in prison and it yeah. was like you you race or you die. Yeah, the original you, you also has this... uh, what's his name? So it was Sylvester Stallone in is... one of his first non-porn roles. Yeah. So he got to start as a pornographer as a known porno actor. Uh, if I'm I think not terribly he was yeah. he was in uh, a film that was redubbed the Italian Stallion after he got famous. That is both awesome and terrifying. He's an incredibly short man. Apparently he's like five two. Yeah. And so anytime you see him in a film and he is, he is as tall as someone else, he's standing on like three midgets. <laughs> oh dear. Well, well, that's how they do it. They, I mean, it's teenagers. It's in his, it's in his riders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He must have yeah. three midgets. Uh, it also had David Carradine as the titular. Uh, he's not in the title. He's anyway. not in the, he is, however, <laughs> the main character. Uh, a guy named Frankenstein. Really? Yeah. Oh. And then uh, you had all of these maniac drivers who were sociopathic with their themed cars. I liked the she Nazi. And uh, yeah. And then they had uh, their. She died the quickest. <laughs> they had a navigator with them who was usually a hot bombshell. Nice. And there was some nudity. That was gratuitously affixed to the movie. It was very B caliber, but it was another one of those movies which is a total guilty pleasure. Well, Roger Corman mm. was involved with that one. Oh, there yeah. you go. So he also did the 1994 Fantastic Four film, uh, which we do not speak of. We Moving just, on, really? We're, just, we're gonna have to edit that or something. Oh, I'll leave it in. Leave he it also in. did uh, Shawshank Redemption. Shawshank Redemption, and that was in a way his redemption. <laughs> <laughs> Full circle. Yeah. Yeah. I love that movie. That's that's my strangely it's my comfort movie. If I'm like bored or sad, I turn on the Shawshank Redemption. Then I get really sad, and then right at the end, I get really happy. Oh, there you go. Nice. I'm really, I, I, it's such a great film, you know. And Morgan Freeman narrating the life of Tim Tim Robbins is pretty. Well, if he could, you imagine if that guy narrated your life? No, because it it is so mind blowingly awesome yeah. that I cannot envision it. Who else would be a good life narrator? James Earl Jones. Really? He has a, a good deep timber to his voice. I think that it would be I think it would be very Depends weird. what kind of what kind of tone you're going for. Like if you want if you wanted to sound like your life was kind of badass or kind of like, you know, sort of, you know, like Rocky and you know, always on the edge, you know, Dennis Leary. He does those voiceovers for like the truck commercials. Yeah. Makes it sound sort of But then there'd be giant words everywhere. I know. There would be, that'd be like, I keep bumming into these door. giant words. Ow. Gets his coffee. Ugh. I just spilled it all over myself. Well, that's a great voice. What about a lady narrator? Who would be a good lady? Galadriel, the Lady of the Wood, be the most haunting life anyone had ever lived. Would Would any lady narrator just have to have a, a British accent? Mm. It's I'd be preferred. Yeah, yeah. Emma Thompson. Yeah, uh, that would be a Ginger Spice. <laughs> Ginger Spice. Jerry Hallowell. Yeah, there you go. You know, she wrote a children's book. There you go. <laughs> and so the conversation turns. Uh, she did. It's about some girl with red hair. It's Jerry I, Hallowell. I would oh. want uh, Judy Dench to narrate. Oh, there you go. Perfect. That'd be a good one. That'd be a great one. Yeah. I would dress well played for her. Well played. Judy Dench for the win. I can't think of anyone. Yeah, it's hard, hard to top yeah. that one. 
Do you think if your life was being narrated that you would be able to hear it? Like kind of like uh, Stranger Than Fiction? Stranger Than Fiction was a very underrated film. It was excellent. Who, by the way, Emma Thompson was the narrator. That's right. Oh. Yeah, that's right. Wow. Full circle again. We wow. have like two swooshes, or is that what those are called? Can we call those that? If sure. we get to five, we've got the Olympic swoosh. Yeah. So let's. We're not. It's not going to happen. Oh. We can try. We can try. We can try. I don't think we can be deliberate about this. I think no, we just have to not. chill. And if it happens, it Amy happens. Thompson was a Muppet. Oh, oh my right. God, it's she crazy. Is, yeah, she was no. a Muppet. Something, something. She Ms. worked Piggy on the Muppet. Something. <laughs> something. Uh, but yeah, Stranger Than Fiction. Great movie if you haven't seen it. Worth yeah. seeking out. It was it was almost like, uh, you know, Will Ferrell's performance was kind of like Jim Carrey's performance in uh, The Truman Show because it was just so kind of quirky but kind of serious. Mm-hmm. He was he, he played it very understated. Yeah. Because he plays uh, an accountant. Yeah. And uh, who works for the IRS, actually. And uh, he's a very serious guy who lives a very straight-laced life. And very, very structured life, too. And uh, essentially finds out that he's going to die in the very near future from the narrator of his life. And uh, begins learning how to live. It's, uh, it's, It's a surprisingly touching movie. But Maggie Gyllenhaal's in it, and she looks like a pig. Miss Piggy. Full circle. Three. That was forced. Three. That was forced. No way. Yeah. I didn't do that on purpose. I didn't do now that on purpose. I can't help that she looks that way. She's talented, though, I think. Me. No? Me. She's no Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, Donnie Darko. <laughs> one of my favorite movies. It's so weird. Do you know what my one of my least favorite movies is? And by that, I mean, like, my least favorite film. What's that? Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. But next to that, Southland Tales, the directorial follow-up by Richard Kelly to Donnie Darko. Oh, yeah, yeah. What the hell was Southland Tales about? Tell us. Dear listeners, if you like bad films, okay, guys, imagine a world where the stars of your film are Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Sarah Michelle Gellar, TV's Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, and Sean William Scott playing two characters. The film will be narrated by Justin Timberlake. I'm curious. Co-starring like every bad comedy alumni possible. Like I know Kevin Smith's in it at one point. Will Sasso, Sherry O'Terry, Amy Poehler, that guy who played Raiden in Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Is it supposed to be funny? Nope. Nope. John Lovitz, John Larroquette. Yeah, it's a lot of bad. What the fuck is this movie about? Uh, it, the guy who made Donnie Darko wanted to follow it up with something really good because apparently everyone loved Donnie Darko so much he went insane. So uh, he made this movie about like, uh, it's like it's like this weird like left wing nightmare vision of the future, um, where like the United States has been attacked. There's been a nuclear attack in like alternate reality 2005. So this is set in alternate reality 2008. You know, so far this sounds like a movie I'd want to see. Yeah, right. It's worth watching just for the complete craziness, like the batshit craziness that that movie is. It, Speaking it was, of batshit craziness. Ugh. Red Dawn is getting remade. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Red Dawn is getting remade, and uh, originally they were going to have the Chinese as the villains, and uh, that apparently leaked, and the Chinese government uh, basically said, we won't stand for that, and the directors of the film went, yes, sir, Chinese overlords, (laughs) and have begun recutting the film so it is the North Koreans who, let's be fair, 
are the most likely people to attack the United yeah. States successfully yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the world. As opposed um, to the previous version of Red Dawn, where it's the Russians well, of and course. South America. Yeah. I don't know, man. That, so now North Koreans paratroop in, and a bunch of you, high school students need to band together to fight them. They should put Charlie Sheen in it again. You know, he probably will push for that. To be one of the North Korean soldiers. He can yes. play Kim Jong-il, actually, probably. He probably could. He's probably Fairly less accurately crazy too. He probably, yeah. than Kim Jong-il. There you go. Charlie Sheen, that should be your next project. Okay, and we know you listen to the show. Obviously. Because he listens yeah. to the entire internet yeah. once. He is, <laughs> after all, Cerebro device. winning. Yeah. Now, did, does anyone you know, did anyone you know apply to be one of Sheen's interns? There were 80,000 people who applied. 80,000 80, people. Did anyone see that intern sheet, like what it required? What did it require? I, oh, it uh, was... Your first name, yeah. your last name, your email address must be valid, and I should be Charlie Sheen's social media intern because 75 characters. So let's less half than of a tweet. Half of a tweet you had to tell them, tell him why you should be hired. And I know it, that at least two Edmontonians were shortlisted. Shortlisted? Shortlisted. They're on to round two. I mean, sh- the short list might still be short like list is 70,000 people. people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so. Really? Is Charlie Sheen reading all of them himself? They might one day be Sheen turns. Can mm. Sheen read still? Does I presume matter? yes. Yeah, he has to learn his lines somehow, doesn't Do, This guy knows what he's doing. Can we all agree that Charlie Agreed. Sheen knows what he's doing? Agreed. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He is clearly messed up, but he is also clearly a genius. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because his it. because his personal brand has like skyrocketed. Yes, it's like gone up in value tenfold. It's my, ridiculous. My buddy Ryan, who's the captain of my weekly bowling team, has a Charlie Sheen T-shirt. People who've never heard of Charlie Sheen before yeah. now follow him on Twitter and hang on his every word. Yeah, at least ten people I know signed up for Twitter a few weeks ago so they could follow Charlie Sheen. Wow. Really? wow. Yeah. Better. I hope someone gets that internship soon because he's going to need someone writing on a lot of tweets. I know. Oh, dear. But that video of him uh, on Funny or Die, the Charlie Sheen cooking show, that was fucking hilarious. I'm, I'm sad to say. It was. Wait, it was actually Charlie Sheen? I haven't Sheen? watched it. Yeah. It was so funny. Hmm. You should watch it. Funny or Die. Go look right now. Uh, we'll wait. I will. Just let me get my phone. <laughs> I uh, recently saw a uh, promo for Parks and Rec. Mm-hmm. on Funny or Die, in which Rob Lowe completely loses his shit on the rest of the cast, and it is hilarious. It's a parody. Yeah. Uh, and a very vulgar one, but it is incredibly funny to watch him completely lose his shit like a prissy diva on the entire rest of the cast of Parks and Rec. Like uh, Christian Bale style that, Basically, that's entirely what they were parodying. Rob Lowe was an interesting guy because he was on uh, uh, Tommy Boy... And he was also brilliant on the West Wing. Like, this guy's done a little bit of everything. I like to pretend his character on Parks and Rec is his character from the, Re- the West Wing. <laughs> Just a few years down the road, a little washed up. Yeah. And now a fitness nut. It makes it more interesting for me. I don't watch Parks and Rec. I do. It's funny. Uh, Chad was asking before the show about who here watches Community. And the Colin answer and I is, don't. The nope. answer is me. Oh, good. I, I don't do. actually really watch it either, but I do download you, it sometimes. All three watch. of you should watch it because it is hilarious. Mm, noted. Everything I've Duly seen noted. is hilarious, but I can't. Uh, Colin has picked up the down. first uh, season on DVD, mainly on recommendations from friends, and went into it blind. 
but it was from people who I trusted to make a fairly decent judgment based on their knowledge of the kind of humor I enjoy. Uh, went into it blind and basically could not put it down for three days. And Anita and I laughed ourselves sick. Like, I'm when I watch something funny, I'm not really a laugh out loud kind of guy unless it's really funny. I'm I'm amused and I'm enjoying it and I'm smiling. Mm. I'm having a good time a and I'm getting kind of jokes, enjoyment. but yeah. a serious yeah. kind of enjoyment. Yeah. Community made me laugh out loud at least one an episode. Hmm. Uh, and that is the highest praise I can give a comedy show. So there you go. I really just want to get, uh, get through it so I can watch the Dungeons and Dragons episode. Which is in the second season, so you need to watch the entire first season. I'll get through it. The, the first season, however, has their action movie parody involving paintball. And it is also equally hilarious. So they're really trying to do interesting, like, off-the-beaten-path kind of things with what would otherwise be sort of like a sitcom. Which simultaneously makes total sense in the little world they've created for Community. Okay, okay. It's, it's like 30 Rock. It's grounded in reality, but they've kind of turned reality up to 11. So everything's believable in context, but would you'd never get away with it in real life. I feel like that's what Arrested Development was like. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. That's the same kind of humor. I, and again, 30 Rock I would put into that category as well. It's interesting how there's this sort of this swath of comedy shows that, uh, like Arrested Development Community, um, even I find Modern Family to be pretty funny and in that sort of, you know, sphere. One show I do not like, and I want to know if you guys have seen it and what you think about it, because I've been chastised for not liking it, is It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Very reasonable that you don't like it, considering they are the worst people ever on television. They really are. Ever. Which actually kind of adds to the humor. Yeah. yeah. I've watched a few episodes here and there, and I never really got it, but I was recently able to start watching it a little more regularly, simply because it was the only thing worth watching at that time. Okay. And have started to kind of get it, and am now enjoying it more. It's, the, it's a show you have to invest in, in order to enjoy. And I've heard that from more than one person. I like watching it. I just think they're awful people. Oh, they absolutely are. They are hide- They are heinous human beings who, by the end of the episode, usually have destroyed themselves I, I don't, and need to build themselves I, back up. I don't mind watching people who are doing that. It's that they're always yelling, and I don't like that they're always yelling. I don't want to watch a show. It's fine. You're sensitive. Well, no, it's, it's not even <laughs> it's it's like that. It's just that their voices are really high-pitched and annoying. So I just I just couldn't get through two episodes of it. I've I've seen it, but it was I, I, I was pitched to it as this is the greatest show you'll ever watch, and you'll and then when you when you kind of Hi. advertise it, Hi. yeah, a little that, bit, you yeah, know, sorry, you kind of set yourself up to fail. And I've seen I think I've seen four episodes, and I thought I think it's okay, but it's not something I don't like. I don't watch a lot of TV, so if it's something like like a Thirty Rock or something like that where I've seen it and enjoyed, it, I'm like, okay, I would watch this again. But the Philadelphia show, like, nah, probably not. The characters function the same way Cartman functions on South Park. They are villain protagonists. They are absolutely comedic sociopaths. They have no redeeming value. They are terrible people. But you can't help but kind of root for them in their own dysfunctional, like, hackneyed plots to, like, make a little cash for their failing bar. And it, you, it'll involve, like, let's get hooked on meth so we get government support. And... <laughs> And in a way, you're just kind of like, you guys go, you do that. And then, of course, it goes terribly wrong. And therein lies the comedy. Watching them come up with this plan, try to execute it, and then watch it implode spectacularly. It's, it's a formula, but it's a formula that works for the show. Maybe I have to give it another chance. I don't know. I just have to get past the yelling, maybe. Nah, I'm not giving it another chance. A show I'm you, looking you, you forward to? You had your chance to? with me. 
Game of Thrones on HBO. Yeah, yeah. Have you guys heard about this? No. Now, Scott, explain it to them because when you do it, it it it's very exciting. Have you read the book Game of Thrones? No. No. Okay. Well, I will presume most of our listeners haven't either. I am known to read the occasional fantasy novel. Uh, a particularly yeah. good series is by one George R. R. Martin. Uh, it is called the Songs of Ice and Fire series. The first book is Game of Thrones, as per the title of the HBO miniseries. Uh, it is a very gritty high fantasy, I want to say. It, high fantasy is probably not even correct. It's um, it's kind of a low magic, but very much fantasy world. It's got crazy fantasy kind of tropes, but it's built very realistically. So you've got a very mean, cruel, unforgiving medieval world where people die and bad things happen and children are left out in the snow to starve to death. Like, it's just, that's the way real medieval Europe worked. And it's not idealized. And it's very a, very much a political thriller um, because it centers around the struggle for the throne of the kingdom and all the different kind of houses and people who are making their plays to try to get there. That is entirely a tangent because we're talking about the HBO miniseries. George R. R. Martin was asked once, would you sell the rights to this amazing series as a movie? And he said, never, ever. It is too complex to be compressed into even four hours. Like It would just be impossible. However, I quite enjoy the HBO miniseries Rome. I think it is fantastic. I think it has the same kind of scope and the breadth and the depth of character. If someone from HBO involved in that show approached me and said, I would like to do your books, I would sell them the rights in an instant. And that is exactly what happened. Hmm. And uh, that is a show that is starting in April, and it looks amazing, and it stars Sean Bean as the main character. Also known as Boromir. Ah, there we go. That guy. And it has a fantastic-looking cast. And uh, just watching some of the preview stuff for it, has been very thrilling. He's making a face that implies life-changing. Very thrilling. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just... It looks like a really good... It, it. I'm as excited for Game of Thrones as you were for The Walking Dead. Oh, God, that was so good. It is so good, except for the last episode, which was terrible. Oh, God, they're going to ruin it. I'm really worried now. Well, that brought everyone down. Sorry. Anyway, you should check out Game of Thrones. On HBO. So that, so that makes me I want to ask the question now. If Hollywood came looking to buy the rights of the Unknown Studio, would you say, no, we can't compress the Unknown Studio in four hours? <laughs> However, if HBO comes around, yeah, Unknown Studio the movie or Unknown Studio the miniseries? I think HBO has a pretty proven track record, I'm just saying. And Hollywood does not, no. especially of late. It would so. really depend on the director, the Hollywood director. Yeah. And even, and even the production studio, I would say. Uh, that said... We have many hours of content that would need to be compressed into a very short amount of time for a movie. Yeah, most of our interviews are at least an hour long. So, obviously, it would have to be a miniseries. I guess we're going to have to do a miniseries. So, when you talk to your friends at HBO... Okay, done. Them, yeah. You just tell I'm them sure that. HBO is listening. Well, obviously, they're listening. They're having a meeting Amongst with Charlie Amongst our Sheen. 50s Colin, listeners. don't. Yeah. You have to adapt my, like, children's novel. Oh, first. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, if we have Hollywood a lot of is projects like... <laughs> on the go now after yeah. this episode. This is crazy. <laughs> I want to do a I want to do a sitcom where people yell too. That's that's something that's on my list now. Cuz I think I can do it better than it's sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah. I think I can yell better than those guys. I think I can do it. Guys? No, I can't. 
I just don't feel it. It's not the same if no one else is yelling with you. Yeah. Or at you. Yeah, and you guys looked like. <laughs> I was a little scared. <laughs> You're not supposed to be. Adam's scared. yelling at me again. You're supposed to be incensed. Call oh, it. that's right. What the hell? How, how dare you? There was a time, even when I was in high school, where I was a slimmer gentleman. But over the past few years, my lifestyle and my work and the amount of sleep I get and the food I eat and the severe lack of exercise that I do have all resulted in a progressive inflating of my body. And I'm not satisfied with the way I look. I know I can be thinner and I want to be stronger and I want to be healthier ultimately so that I don't die a premature death. So when I went on a ski trip a few weeks ago, a good friend of mine who's actually been on the show before talked to me about going into her gym and getting some personal training sessions done with her. That girl's name is Carrie Robinson and you're going to hear from her later on in this, the first part of an ongoing segment that tracks my weight loss progress starting on March 21st. Of course, any good story begins first thing in the morning and usually involves an alarm bell. And this story is no different. No, I'm up. I'm up. It's 6 a.m. For some reason, I decided that it would be a good idea to do a training session at 7 in the morning. I'm not sure what I was thinking. Other than I need to work today. And this is really the only time that works, so uh, I guess I better get up. I arrived at the gym and was greeted by Carrie, and I had a few questions to ask her about her training techniques. Have you ever made anyone cry? Um, more so because they were thankful, but not, wow. no, not because, uh, not because it's that hard. They tend, like, they tend to throw up before they start crying. <laughs> That's what I have to look forward to. You won't throw up today. Really? I don't think so. You shouldn't. I don't know my doctor's No one ever does. That's fine. Okay. Um, then you have to initial here. That's correct. Throw it around. That's our actual waiver. Okay. So I am risking my life. Mm-hmm. Not liable. Carrie Robinson inherits all your stuff if you die. <laughs> From there, it was basically out of the frying pan into the fire except that I don't have the right sound effect to really impart that kind of notion. Carrie took me into the gym at Prime Fitness and put me on a treadmill for a couple minutes so I could warm up. She didn't want me to injure myself as she took me through my fitness assessment before we actually got to the baseline exercises that she would run me through to see what level I was at. We had to do that dreaded measurement thing, and I was not excited to know how much I weighed. I deliberately have stayed away from a scale for the last, oh, I don't know, year because I was afraid to know what it was. And I suppose I shouldn't have been surprised, but, well, give a listen. So, Adam Rosenhart, initial weight. Do you want to say it or do you want me to say it? I want you to say it. Okay, wait till it beeps. 
229.4 is initial weight. That's for ridiculous. Pounds, yeah. That's your starting weight. So that's your point, your starting point. Right. Okay. We always want to go down from there. Yes, we always want to go down from there. Um, so know that that's it. That's starting. Okay. okay. Don't be afraid of it. Have that your your goal or your number in your head that that's where we want to go down from. Okay. okay. So what is today's date? The 21st. Okay. Let me can put your shoes back on. I have to untie them again. I know. I'm sorry. Oh. So at this point, I'm not feeling very good about myself. My other measurements weren't great. The way they measure your waist is actually the most disheartening thing ever. I was a, My waist is 43 because they measure right over your belly button. Um, I used to wear 34-inch pants you know, back in the day. But now I wear 38-inch pants, and that's not acceptable. So Carrie took my, re my measurements, and we set a few goals. I want to go down. Ideally, you know, I want to fit into a suit that I bought a few years back. I believe the pant waist was 36, and, uh, well, I'm my chest is, is how do I put this? My man boobs are too big, and my gut is too big to be able to close the suit jacket around myself. So my goal is to be able to fit into that suit inside of a few months, and Carrie thought that was pretty reasonable. We also talked about um, getting me to enter a 10K run or something like that. Now, um, setting goals is super important, and... Uh, and not just saying I'm going to do a 10K run, but entering into one. So at our, my next personal training session with her, well, we're actually going to decide on where I'm going to run. Anyway, so we took my measurements. Then she put me through my paces. Um, I was able to do a sum total of eight push-ups. This is just terrible. Uh, probably just as many sit-ups. And uh, I don't even want to talk to you about how long I was in the plank position because it was uh, humiliating. But at the end of the day, I felt good about the choice that I was making, and uh, I was excited to go back. So my goal for you is to at least increase by two minutes okay. to at least get to the seven speed yeah. the next time around. So I'm going to highlight that. Here's our goal speed. Okay. Okay. So that's our goal speed for next time. And then when should I come back in here? Because you have to set me up on a whole... You want to give me homework. Yeah, right? so, yeah. I want to start you I want to start you as soon as possible. Okay. So we can start working you out. I can give you at-home homework. Okay. I can start giving... And we can test you heart rate-wise. Um, I'll probably just get your heart rate next time. Right now it's high. Yeah. Um, and we'll uh, get that so I can give you a cardiovascular program. And then I'm going to say, you're going to do it this many days a week. I'll hand you a calendar. And be like, this is going to be your day. Oh, that's going to be so good. Because yeah. I need to be told. Yeah, you're gonna be told, Adam. <laughs> I'm so pumped for you. I'm glad you're excited. I am. Like I'm super excited because, well, one, I know you. Yeah. Um, and I know you really, really want this. What's the date? Oh yeah, the twenty-first. And I just think you can do it. And I like that you're keeping yourself accountable with that little guy. Yeah, the whole world will know. Have you told your um, counterparts that you're doing this? Uh, yeah, I told my uh, co-host the other day. He he thought I was crazy, I think. I think that everyone thinks it's a little nuts that I'm doing this. Why? Well, not that I'm doing the personal fitness training thing, but because I'm publishing my progress, I guess. Yeah. You know, I, can, I guess I can too understand personal that. Yeah, maybe. But it's exciting, though, for people because it might motivate people, too, yeah. right? So day one, 
starts on Wednesday. Okay. Here's my thing. I think tomorrow mm-hmm. you should be, you should at least get half hour in of walking or something. Okay. I don't want you to come in cold on Wednesday. So with some uh, homework assignment under my belt uh, for the following day, which if you're listening to this, the day that it comes out was yesterday. Um, I was on my way and I decided to debrief just me and the recorder in the car on the way to work. So I'm in the car driving home. I just got through my first uh, session with Carrie at Prime Fitness Training. Um, And it was really just an assessment session. She took me through my paces to see what level I was at and and then, you know, starting later on this week, she will be kicking my ass uh, to make sure that I am fit. But I just wanted to give you a, an initial taste of what I'll be going through. I'm 230 pounds, which is um, about 50 pounds above where I was uh, two, two and a half years ago. And I was fit enough at that time to hike one of the most challenging hikes in the world, the West Coast Trail on Vancouver Island, and I would like to be at least at that level again very soon. So thanks for joining me for the beginning of my fitness journey. You'll be hearing a lot more of this segment on The Unknown Studio. Are you looking for current, relevant, highly specialized digital media instruction? You need to seek out The Guru. Guru Digital Arts College offers intense six-month programs that simulate real-world projects. You'll work in small classes in a casual professional environment and meet industry pros who offer a mentor-style approach to learning. Some institutions make the same claim, but with Guru, you'll develop the confidence to get out and become a part of the digital media community. Come visit us anytime. Check out a class, talk with our instructors, and be part of the Guru experience. For more information, email info at gurudigitalarts.com or call 1-877-429-4878. Now, it's no secret that I'm a big fan of Canada's Worst Driver, probably one of my favorite shows on television. And as it happens, they're going to be in town in the month of April looking to recruit some bad drivers for their show. Now, I had an opportunity to speak with Guy O'Sullivan. He's one of the executive producers of the show to talk about the show itself and their upcoming visit. I guess I'll start out by saying thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us uh, today. You're very welcome. Um, now, I'm a big, big fan of Canada's Worst Driver. I will say that right off the top, but I can't presume that all of our listeners necessarily are familiar with the show. So, no. Uh, I guess uh, let's start right at the beginning. What is Canada's Worst Driver all about? Uh, sure. Canada's Worst Driver is a show on the Discovery Channel, which is gearing up for our seventh season. And it's basically uh, rehab for bad drivers, but presented in a very entertaining way, I would, I would like to think. Basically, we put drivers through all sorts of really demanding challenges, and with lots of, uh, we give them, obviously, lots of uh, education as well, uh, and the upshot of which we try and make them better. And the last, the last man standing, the worst driver of all, uh, is crowned Canada's worst driver. Now... What kind of demanding tests do people have to undergo on the show? Um, well, everything we can think of, really. Um, so, you know, they have to go forwards, they have to go backwards, they have to go slowly, they have to go quickly. They have to do lots of really tight maneuvering. They have to do high-speed cornering. 
really we just we try everything we can possibly do most of which we do in on a closed course i should stress so that nobody gets hurt uh, but that gives gives us the freedom to really put them through it right without without risk of hitting something hard and dangerous the only things they're likely to hit at speed are big cardboard boxes which don't do much damage nonetheless i can say that having seen the show it can be very cringe inducing at times Oh yeah, no, not just for the people inside the cars, but for the audience. Absolutely, yeah. No, and cringing in lots of different ways. You you cringe for the cars. You cringe for how hopeless the drivers are. Um, but hopefully, you know, I think there's some take. There's certainly some take home for them. They all. I can't say they all leave the show as wonderful drivers, but they're all better than when they started. And I think there's a lot of take home for the rest of us too. Now, how do people get on to the show? Oh, that's, we make that as simple as we possibly can. We just ask them to, to get in touch with us. I actually don't, I'm at the foot of a ski hill right now, so I can't remember the phone number. But the email address is driver at propertelevision.com. Uh, Proper Television is the name of the company that makes the show for Discovery. Now, of the people who come on the show, um, yeah. how many people generally come on the show kind of understanding that maybe they're not a great driver and they could use the help? And how many people come on the show with an attitude more like, you know what, I'm going to show you how good a driver I am so that uh, this is all shown to be a bit of a sham? <laughs> I would say there's usually one or two every season that, that are in denial about, you know, exactly how bad their driving is. Most of them know they've got a problem, maybe not to the full extent, but they uh, they recognize that they could they could certainly benefit from some improvement. And it is a pretty unique opportunity to get better. I mean, in normal life, you don't get to do this. So um, most of them are, are thankful for the opportunity. Of course, there, there are times when they curse us up and down the hill just because uh, it's hard. But that's how you make people better. Very true. Now, generally speaking, are people bad drivers or at the very least in, in the experience of you on the show, how many people are bad drivers because they just lack some of those basic skills, and how many people are bad drivers because of their attitude? Um, on our show or in general? Uh, let's let's <laughs> go with in general. Yeah, I th well, actually, it's probably 50-50, and often a combination of two. the two. I mean, I, I mean, young men, we all know the statistics, tend to be the most aggressive, cocky drivers. Although you find that in you do find that arrogance in all sorts of places, it's surprising. But a lot of people have just developed. I mean, there's there's people who haven't been driving that long, and they simply haven't gained the experience to be and and been challenged enough to get better. And then there are people who've just developed really bad habits. And then there are people that are screaming at the person sitting next to them in the car when they should be concentrating on the task at hand. So all of these things contribute to bad driving. Uh, our podcast is based out of Edmonton. And uh, we kind of have an Edmonton focus. So let's draw things in a little more. How many Edmontonians have been on your show in the past? That's a good question. I can think of one chap called Tegan, who that was a couple of years ago now. He was, he was, a, he was a very interesting, because he was an 18-year-old kid. You'd think he'd be kind of the classic kind of cocky and underskilled, over, sort of overconfident and underskilled. But in fact, it was, it was the opposite, really. He was a nervous wreck. Uh, he would. Uh, he, he, his idea of driving in a straight line was to sort of jog the steering wheel from side to side, kind of like you're riding a horse or something. It's hard to even describe, but his driving was atrocious. He literally couldn't stay in the, in a single lane on the highway. He'd sort of veer left and right, and he didn't seem to see that that might be a problem. So he was a challenge for us, for sure. But with him, it was a lot. It was a. It was a, to a great extent a question of just giving him confidence. He had zero confidence. So I think, we, I think we made some headway with him, but he was a tough nut to crack, for sure. 
And we certainly had plenty of people from Alberta, but I'm just, I can't off the top of my head remember anyone from Edmonton, but we've heard, you know, the uh, Lloyd Minster, Medicine Hat, Calgary. There's plenty of bad drivers in Alberta, that's for sure. Which leads into the next uh, <laughs> question, actually. Uh, Edmonton, and, and indeed much of Alberta, has kind of a reputation as being a breeding ground for bad drivers. And I'm wondering if that is, is factual. Do we really just have bad drivers in Alberta? Or, or is that kind of a... Is that kind of a perception everyone has of where they live, that, oh, God, we have the worst drivers on our roads? Well, when I started this series, you know, six and a half years ago, I certainly wouldn't have, uh, I certainly wasn't under the assumption that any one part of the country was any worse than any other. But I have to tell you that we've had probably more bad drivers from Alberta than any other province. <laughs> <laughs> so well, uh, there must be, I don't know why, what we conclude from that. Maybe they're more willing to embrace the idea of rehab because there's plenty of bad drivers that won't come on the show. Fair enough. But so uh, you know, it's sort of it's an open question. But you have bad drivers, that's for sure. But uh, apparently, we are a rehabilitable bunch of people. Yeah, there's hope for you. You know, because it really, <laughs> you know, you can't get better unless you're willing to try. Uh, that's the one thing we can't do for people. If they if they come in determined not to improve, then we can't really help them. That's so I'd say they're pretty game. They're a pretty game bunch for the most part. Now. Canada's Worst Driver is about to uh, come into town at the time when, when this interview will be airing. It will be in April that you guys are coming through. Uh, what are you guys going to be doing in Edmonton? Well, this is how it works. Right? The one, well, one thing we can't do, much as we'd like to sometimes, is sort of flag bad drivers down on the street. So what we're doing, we're, re we're reaching out, basically. We're asking, and that's really why I'm talking to you. We want people to come to us and say, listen, I know a bad driver, or I'm a bad driver. Uh, because that's the first part of the process. So people reaching out to us, and then we'll do the follow-up. We'll talk to the, pe you know, we'll talk to that driver on the phone and the people that know what they're driving is really like. Uh, uh, and then if, if it, you know, if it checks out, then we'll come and spend a day in their natural habitat, so to speak, and just uh, and get a really sort of solid handle on what their what their issues are. And then from there, you know, then they might may, may indeed make the final cut. You mentioned just a moment ago that uh, you might get contacted by people who think that they are a bad driver. Have you ever had someone self-nominate themselves for the show? <laughs> uh, not very many, but one or two, yes, one or two over the years. But for the most part, it's the people who are, you know, who are, who are living the nightmare, sitting next to them. They're the ones that give them up. Um, and people generally need a bit of a nudge to go to rehab, but I can tell you without exception that people are glad they've done it because, you know, Life is boring. It's a unique experience. For the most part, life is boring, I think, and certainly repetitive. And this is definitely a break from the old routine. It's a couple of weeks in Ontario at worst, on our dime. It's a novel experience, and you do get something out of it. You know, it's not an American reality show. We're not giving away money. We're just sincere when we say we'll make you a better driver. Now, uh, having watched the show, and uh, my fiancé having watched the show with me, we've marveled uh, a couple times at some of the challenges that the drivers have had to go through and <laughs> wondered if we would be, like, we don't consider ourselves to be bad drivers at all, but we've wondered if we would be able to do some of those challenges. No, it, have you ever had someone come forward and volunteer to be on the show just to see if they could get through it? Um well, I mean, I would put that most of those people are in the category of sort of fakers, and uh, we tend to spot those a mile off. I mean, if they're genuinely bad drivers, uh, uh, then that's what it's for. But uh, in terms of, you know, how difficult are those challenges for the average driver, it's a good question. And, you know, we make no apologies for making them, certainly some of them, 
more difficult than others because we really we find that's the best way people get better, right? You really stretch them. I think that probably the best benchmark is Andrew Young has been the host. He wasn't even a, an average driver when he started on the show, <laughs> uh, but he, has, of course, has got better over time. But and and he, so if he can do it, then uh, that's a pretty you know that's a pretty good indicator that you could too. But that's not to say you wouldn't make mistakes. Just that uh, you you probably wouldn't be necessarily the worst. You'd Correct. have the basic skills. You'd be able to drive in a straight line, say. One would like to think so. <laughs> right on. Yeah. Um, so what uh, what dates are you guys going to be in town to, uh, I guess, kind of screen some drivers? Well, we we, don't, we can't lock in the dates until we speak to the people, right? Because they, we obviously need availability. To, you know, we need people to be available when we get there. But we're we are we're poised and ready. As soon as as soon as people reach out to us, we'll we'll firm up the details and 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 uh, come and spend at least half a day with each driver. So we really get a solid handle on what their issues are. Right on. And I know you mentioned uh, at the beginning of the interview the uh, email address that people can get a hold of you at to nominate a terrible driver. Could you give it to me one more time? Certainly. Uh, it's it's pretty simple. Uh, it's driver at propertelevision.com. Right on. Well, thank you very much for taking the time out of uh, your, your skiing to, you very uh, welcome. to speak with us uh, on the show today. All right. You're very, thanks very much for your interest. And I'll let you get back to the slopes now. All right, thank you, sir. All right, cheers. Bye-bye. And that number that Guy couldn't remember during our interview was one 598 2591 So if you know a really bad driver and you'd like to see them on the show, once again, you can call them at one 598 2591 and get them nominated. <laughs> What is it that you guys do when you're not on the radio then? I watch a lot of sports. Yeah, and in fact, we've had you on the show before. Yes. Not to talk about sports, no. but to talk about the Long John Index. Yes. So. But you recently created a separate sports Twitter account? Uh, I was actually just kind of experimenting with it just to see how, how it would play. I wasn't really too thrilled with the results. And I don't really like the idea of like branching too many different Twitter-based things. Like I think the Long John Index, I think, I think people enjoyed, and I like doing it. It's remarkable how many people talk about it. Yeah, but uh, the like the this other inane hockey tweets thing was kind of like, yeah. I th- I think it's more enjoyable if, if I'm talking about like the local the local sports teams. Yeah, it's one thing, but not trying to like venture out and try to find an audience with, you know, the Flames and Coyotes or something like that. So, so. you were just gonna was your 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 idea to sort of just tweet about any game you happen to be watching? I was trying to do like one game a week just because I found that I've enjoyed, you know, sitting down to watch a hockey game or some sort of sporting event and then just tweeting about it. Mm-hmm. And depending on, on the game, you know, you get some feedback from other people. Other people are watching it. So I think that's true with Twitter with most things, like any sort of big event, Oscars or whatever. Yeah. That's kind of adds the enjoyment of watching it, putting your comments on and seeing what other people's comments are. Sure. So... But, but yeah, you're not going to go that route. I don't think so. At least not with that. No. You're, you're still. I'm going to dial, dial it back in. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a lot of a uh, lot of people who like Colin McIntyre. Yes, exactly. And they know who he is and what he's about, and yeah, they're comfortable with that. Yeah, that's what I do. What do you do, Chad? Are you a professional archer? I suspect you are. You mean like for fun or for my job? For your job. Oh no, I work at the C- I work at CJSR. I'm the music director. Oh, and, wicked! And yeah, Chad. Chad is actually—he's so. actually a paid. I actually person don't at CJSR. ever leave the station yeah. unless, like today, when I came to a different radio station. <laughs> yeah, but you. So you'll only travel to other radio stations. Yes. 
Those are the only places that you're actually allowed in in this town. Fun story. I actually lost the keys to my apartment in my office, <laughs> and I can't get back inside until I find them. So when we're done here, I'm going back to my office at CJSR and finding my keys. <laughs> it now, as, as people who worked at that uh, leaky death ship, the Gateway, yes. for uh, many years, <laughs> we can attest to the fact that uh, you would not be the first person to have to sleep in sub uh, because you worked at some sort of university-based media organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bet the Gateway has, like, way cushy couches up there, though, right? Well, if by cushy you mean, you know, Broken, the ones from the hallway. Hand. Stuff with rat piss in them and stuff like, like that. Like piss from people that were at rat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, you know, true story. Fish Krakowski, who used to work at the Gateway, is now a videographer and photographer here in Edmonton. And I think he still writes for uh, The Sun or one of the weeklies. Um... He once lived in sub for really? like a whole semester until he was kicked out and nearly, I believe something terrible almost happened around the code of student behavior because, you know, it was an it was an office. It wasn't, you know, you weren't supposed to sleep on the couch for months and months. But Fish did that very thing and stayed in the photo studio when, when uh, the gateway was in the basement of sub right next to CJSR, actually. Whoa, you guys were in the basement? Yeah. There used to be zero, zero... 10 sub. Yeah, I was just in that room all day as well. It's a boardroom now. Yes. It's a really small room. Well, but it was part of uh, that that boardroom. Right. was like the bullpen, and then the rest of the office was the chaplain's office that's there now. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, that would have been kind of fun. It was cool. The, having neighbors. It was, it was Oh, yeah. wait, because of that? No, because that would have been, the, what, like the early 90s? No, it would have been even into the late, or early 2000s. Oh, okay, because mm. I know we didn't move down to the basement until 95. Now, yeah. why... Why did the gateway move out of the basement, um, Adam? It he was, said knowing the answer. I actually don't remember. No. It was about getting new space and... I was under the impression it was because they got in very bad trouble. Moving out of the basement? No. They were moved out of the basement because they got in very bad trouble. You guys have been bad. You're going up to the second floor. We can keep an eye on you. Yeah, you guys get to see the sun every day. <laughs> we're going to punish <laughs> you by giving you windows. Jerks. No, they, they, they moved... To my, to my understanding, they moved the gateway out of the basement... To a smaller space on the third floor. Oh. Because of uh, hijinks by the editors one year, which which involved damaging the basement of sub with water of vast quantities. Oh, I didn't. I didn't think that's why that they, they were forced. To I work. was under the impression that was at least that was a major contributing factor, mm-hmm. and that it was perhaps uh, a number of smaller incidents that eventually led to them going, you guys are out. That might be true. I don't remember. Um, I, I would I would not even be surprised if the Fish-Grakowski thing was also an element that led toward that. Possibly. I mean, the, the Gateway had such an adversarial relationship with the Students' Union, but when s- even though the Students' Union owned the Gateway. So does CJSR. Like, yeah. See, always... this is this is making me wonder then for us to get, for CJSR to get windows and get moved up to, you know, the 7th or 8th floor. We had windows. We used to be in the second floor. We were, yeah. we were room 224. We need to do something uh, just amazing. Why did you guys get moved downstairs? Put a hippopotamus down no there. Idea. I have no idea whose idea that was because this, the, the room we're in now, like 09, is smaller, I'm pretty sure, from 224. But uh, it is like a pretty big space still. It just, and, uh, it's cooler because now we broadcast out of a bank vault. Yeah, that, bank that's, vault. that's awesome. You can't beat that. We have good office space you can and stuff. Closed, but like, kind of terrifying. Yeah. The library, is, I don't know, I wish it was a bit bigger, but I guess we have one of the bigger ones for 
campus radio stations in Canada, so I can't really complain. I don't know. I just it would be nice if I could see the sunlight sometimes when I'm in the basement all day. It's tough to do weather on the morning show because we're, we're relying on you know computers and the internet, but sometimes that information is delayed, so it could be like, yeah, it's, it's cold, snowy. We can make snowy. up the weather. And, but like, no, it's actually sunny and nice. Outside. Was that the reason for the creation of the Long John Index? You didn't have to be so specific? Uh, not really. No, it was just sort of just something, just something fun. We just throw, we make stuff up anyway. Colin is just naturally funny. No, I'm, no. I've noticed that about I him. just blither on. No, that's what on we and do. On and on and on. That's what yeah, we do. You're the funny one, and I'm the grouchy one. You're the one who knows True. about the music. Yeah, that's my job. I just play music. When Chad's not there, I'm terrified. Yeah, I, actually, I, I actually have done like an all request show once because Chad was. I'm not going to be here. I'm going on holidays or something. I'm like all oh, request shows oh, are no. the worst <laughs> idea at CJS. So I like he was on... just for the record. Uh, Colin was miming receiving perhaps a text message. Yeah, uh, when he said over that the Twitter. So my impression is that he was in fact informed the morning of a show by Chad. <laughs> no, 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 by no, the actually, way, I will I... not be there because I am going on vacation. No, actually, <laughs> yeah, you actually <laughs> That's gave only me like happened a week. like once. Yeah, actually, no, it was a week. I think that is the best way to tell someone you're going on vacation. Yeah. Sorry, can't not be coming there in this morning. Not be- well, not coming in because I've been in Cuba for three well, days. <laughs> I usually program the show. Well, the, well, the BBC is counting down, and we're supposed to be on in ten seconds. <laughs> By the way, in Cuba, can't not can. Oh no! I mean, I'm sick. Oh, Whatever no. you want. Yeah, yeah. So Chad is very much the music man. And when you show. when you do the why why are all request shows on CGSR bad? Uh, just. Usually, okay, I don't really like what everyone else wants to hear, so you have to play music that you don't really like to begin with. I guess you always have the veto power since you're the DJ, but, like, it's hard enough getting people to phone in yeah. to the yeah. station. Like, the phones are not ringing off the hook at any point, even if you're asking for requests. And when they when you do get requests, it's usually for, like, play, like, something from Big Black songs about fucking. I'm like, ah, no. We actually, there's actually surprising, when I, when, I, when I did do that show, there's actually, you get some agendas, like you have people who are in bands, or their buddies are in bands. Yeah, play my band. All the time, yeah. And they'll get like a whole crew to call you? Yeah. Like or, from local artist Pizzeria. Yeah, yeah. Who, they have someone who phones in every day, and multiple shows, and like, they just like, hey, you should play something from- uh, That takes from that dedication, scene. though. Yeah. yeah. Like that is- they have a True. PR person who's yeah, entire they, they're job. They're not always listening. They're just requesting, right? Because I would be like, uh, actually, I played you in this set. He's like, oh, I didn't hear it. So they're just they're just doing the requesting. <laughs> I'd say that's bad PR. That's a bad strategy. Yeah, especially if you're like if you're a local band and you want to advertise on CJSR, be like, hey, we got a show coming up. It's thirty dollars. What for two weeks? Yeah, it's not never of advertising because <laughs> it's the local. We could be like, it's more expensive to advertise on our show your band than on CJSR, don't, just for the record. Don't tell them that. Yeah, like, local local bands, like, we have, like, a local band discount because they're, you know, independent artists that are... We don't. Really, we don't support local artists. So. That, that's actually not a really good idea, though. We should start supporting local th- local stuff and not just talking about how awesome we are. That probably mm-hmm. wouldn't be a very interesting Yeah, I think, I think you're doing fine. Yeah. 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 We don't even do that. We barely... We should. We have to do more interviews. Okay. We have to try and snag <laughs> more people. It's tough to actually get people to come out early in the morning, though. I know. It's impossible. It, he I brought would. us in with Danishes, That's man. true. Well, people, are, when you usually ask people to be on the show, they're like, absolutely, we'll be on the show. Yeah, you want to come in at 8? I, I, almost, I almost got 8 PS- in the morning? morning? <laughs> I, I almost kinda... got P.S. I Love You to come in. The, really? The, the touring act uh, that are coming through Edmonton this week. But yeah. uh, I was like, yeah, 8 a.m. Anytime after that. And they're like, uh, it's a week after South by Southwest, so we'll probably still be hungover. So <laughs> I was like, coffee and Danishes. We will didn't. still be hungover. Despite not having yeah. drunk for seven days, yeah, it's actually yeah. even tough. To, it's tough to fill those slots sometimes too. 
It's with true. shows. Yeah, because people are you know it's just yeah. There's a time where like, there's there's a time when CJSR had full programming 24 hours a day, and it's just not the case anymore. Now it's like wide open slots from like one to six. You know so our, what you need is you need to recruit some young impressionable people who are interested in doing shows on CJSR. Absolutely. Pretty are much. you, are you always, Chad? always looking for talent? Yeah. Always. That's my job, really. Like, just take volunteers in, and then we get them trained, and then... Uh, so basically what you're that, saying is if is someone walked into CJSR tomorrow, if some student came in and said, teach me how to do the radio, and I will talk for an hour on CJSR every week, you would be, like, sold. No, I mean, like, uh, it's not, it doesn't work. It's not that... It used to be that easy. <laughs> if you knew the right people, it would be like, hey, just take the show over. Play what you want. Like, it, it was really who you knew. So basically, now, those days are done. Yeah, we have yeah. Uh, now we have like a programming committee. So we actually like things like uh, if you're a new volunteer, we can get you trained, so you know how to like use the board because everything is you're doing it all yourself, right? Everything's you're you're in control. Everything's on the air. But if you want like your own your own permanent show, you have to make a proper proposal with a demo, give it to our committee, they review it, and then they slot you in. The thing is, a lot of these people that are coming in now, like even if it's like a young kid who's like still in university, or even not, like someone who dropped out. Like I can get you a slot. It's one a.m. on Wednesdays, and like I, there was a time where it would be like no problem to sell that. Now it's like no, it's too late. I only want to be there Mondays from like six until ten. Yeah, six to seven. Somewhere in that slot. And like really? It, yeah, people get really picky now. It's like a weird sense of entitlement that is kind of disheartening. But not in all people. I mean, like you know, you can usually push the hard. Stuff. But if you are the type of person who does want to come down, if you want to be on the radio and. I find what's been my experience that if you if you hang around, you get to know the people, and you kind of just do a lot of the behind behind the scenes stuff, like you write an ad, you you know help Chad file records, you do like a lot of all of these other behind the scenes things. If people know you, you will probably get a chance to be on the air, even on a fill in basis. Oh, totally, yeah, absolutely. And so like, you might not you might not get people a, there. I remember my first orientation meeting was I, I came down and the news director at the time said, you know, if you if you're coming to CGSR to do a punk show. Move on. We've got punk shows. Like, but if you if you have something original, but if you're just just if you're just involved, and you if you don't wait for us to call you, if you call us and say, hey, I've got a couple hours free, I you know come work the front desk and just Google stuff all day, but just be at the front desk just to take you know visitors and stuff. Hmm. The more the more you're involved, the more likely you will just to, to get a microphone. Basically, yeah, it was kind of yeah. like that at the gateway too. Yeah, I mean, you show up, show that you want to contribute. Yeah, exactly. Do a good and job. Then eventually, you get your name in the paper. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Basically, yeah, yeah. Unless they don't like you when you're stuck doing Campus Crime Beat, right? <laughs> I think Campus Crime Beat is awesome. Actually, it was a coveted really? uh, position yeah. when I was there, at the very least, because people really wanted to write up those hilarious little write-ups also, of, the, was... of the ridiculous crimes that happened on campus. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the only things I would like read in the gateway. And that's why. That's why it was the funny of, pages. That's yeah. why it was kind of, uh, and I wrote for the funny pages, so booyah. There you go. You were probably read by Chad. I was probably, probably. by Chad. At some point, I'm sure. What was your comic? Logic Puzzle. It had a robot and a chicken in it. But not robot Before chicken. Before Robot Chicken. Yeah. Whoa. You know what? If I saw Someone it, I'd probably remember it. Uh, it was from many years ago now. <laughs> not that many. Well, yeah. It had a robot Nietzsche at one point. That was a popular hmm. episode, which huh. may or may not still be in the philosophy department student grad lounge. Oh, yeah. I remember you telling me that. That's that's kind of a That's kind of a point of pride for you. It is. Because it, it meant that I made a good enough philosophy joke that the philosophy nerds went, that was a good philosophy <laughs> joke. <laughs> We're going to cut this out, put it on the bulletin board. That's awesome. Okay. I think it's time for you to unleash your favorite part of the show. You mean the Fast 16? 
possibly. So yes, oh, it's sixteen now. Well, because what there's is, two of you. Oh, okay. Whenever okay. there's whenever there's two guests, yeah. we add an extra question so that everyone gets an even number of questions asked. I'm excited. Well, hold this. on. What's happening? You've never. So, oh, okay. You so have to explain to chat. I've I've listened. I've, I'm I'm excited. And that's rare. Do I have to fight? <laughs> it you? actually is rare for our guest to actually have some clue of what this is. Chad, about. the fast even... sixteen is a battle to the death that only lasts sixteen seconds. Yes. What? So we have to fight We're each both other. Both gonna lose. Yeah, I don't think so. We we have to fight each other, and I'm just going to point out that we are still doing this show, so... <laughs> so, yeah, we've killed all of our guests. Oh. Except for Brittany, who came back from the dead, apparently. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, the Fast 16 is a, it's just a series of questions we ask all of our guests at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. The first 12 questions, six each for you, Kay. are standard, and then we ask each of you two wildcard questions. Okay. So, but it has to be done in... All of them in 16 seconds? No, no, okay. no, no. no. We, we say my, fast. My wits are, like, not about me today. <laughs> so. we, we say fast Makes in it. that it's a fast succession of questions. Yes. Okay. But you can take your time, sir. Because we can edit the show. Oh, awesome. Perfect. Non-live show. So editing. here we go. The Fast 16 with Chad and Colin. Yep. Starting with Chad. Number one, your favorite food. Pizza. Colin, Since your favorite. eight. <laughs> your favorite color. Uh, green. Chad, Mac, PC, or Linux? Mac. Colin, dogs or cats? Oh, I'm going to say cats, actually. Boo. Chad? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Boo. Fucker. <laughs> Ch- Chad, coffee or tea? Tea, please. Colin, your favorite holiday? Uh, I'm a big fan of Halloween. Chad, your favorite sport? Where's that tea I asked for? Oh, uh, Scott, would you mind getting him that tea? <sighs> Soccer, I guess. I don't know. Sure. I hate sports. Really? Pretty much. Colin, your favorite pastime? Watching sports. Chad, your favorite music right now? Uh, oh, I knew that was going to stump you. I like, I like pavement okay. a lot. Colin, your favorite movie right now? Uh, it has to be the rebooted Star Trek. Really? Yeah, absolutely. That's fantastic. Uh, Chad, your favorite video game? Oh. Oh, he just shut oh. down. He's like literally information not it's like when your computer freezes and nothing's the spinny white the spinny ball just came over over Chad's Chad. Chad has just given us the blue screen just of death. Hit control. That has hit never control happened before. On Chad. That has never Shit. happened before. The fast six. I think you should unplug him before he just, overheats. No, just unplug him. Unplug him. Uh, unplug him back. There. Here. Okay. Are you all right? Uh, I really liked Final Fantasy 1 a lot as a child. I played a lot of like old school Nintendo. Nice. That or Sonic the Hedgehog 2, one of the best games ever. Old school. I love it. I love the old school. And finally, I think I know the answer to this, Colin. Star oh. Wars or Star Trek? Right now, Star Trek. When I was a kid, it was Star Wars. Really? Yeah. What uh, What changed you? Uh, the new movies <laughs> You changed. grew a brain, I think. <laughs> the, the new movies, the, the, the newer movies completely changed <laughs> The it. newer really? Star Wars movies made him like Star Trek more. <laughs> yeah. Actually, that's that's not... It's, yeah, it's too... I, like, when you I was know, a kid, I used to think Star Wars was fantastic, and then when they brought the new ones out, I went, what just happened? Yeah. I, I bet if you, like, you took our generation, though, and like just if you're trying to do like a cynicism chart, there's like this extreme sharp peak... Upwards of jaded cynicism that starts in like May of 1999. <laughs> <laughs> like, something happened, and then everyone just stopped like feeling. There, it right. was like everyone's inner child just died. Died. Yeah, yeah, that's probably exactly how I feel. Can, now, I, cha- can I change my answer to Canada Day for the holiday one? Sure, absolutely. Canada sure. Day. Big I'll fan of Canada Day. Done. Yeah. And now we're on to our wild card question, starting with Chad. Your first wild card is: What's the first thing you see? You think when you see a dude? Hang on a second. <laughs> 
What's the first thing you think when you see a dude with a mustache? <laughs> uh, usually, I, they're an awesome dude. Really? Probably. Uh, depends. I sometimes have a mustache. I could be looking in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that guy's awesome. Uh, Colin. Yep. Would you rather eat poison ivy or a handful of bumblebees? <laughs> now I have to tell you, I have to tell you, well, I looked up, I looked up, would you rather questions? <laughs> so Chad gets a mustache question. Don't worry, Chad will get his own. <laughs> Are they dead or asleep? They, How did you get them in your head? I don't know. There's so many complexities to the okay, question. So, so now, now that we're thinking about it, if I actually have the bumblebees in my hand, they're obviously for a purpose. So I must do something with them. So you may as well eat them. Is Probably, if if I've somehow got if they're live bumblebees, they're in my hand. I'm like, I got you now. Gulp. I'm either throwing these or eating them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Because bumblebees aren't poisonous, are they? Like. I think if they, they have some of them mild venom, you? yes. Do and they? you may go into anaphylactic shock if you're allergic. Oh, okay. I, I think, think that'd, that'd have to be like thousands of stings, though. Mm. Yeah. Bumblebees. Bumblebees, it is. Okay. My there's girl. not, there's no, like, no one's going to come in with like a handful of bumblebees, are they? Just sort of. Chad. Not like Oprah. Like, whoa, guess. The best would you rather question. <laughs> Oprah? That I've ever, <laughs> that, that I think I ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> was would you rather have. Uh, would you rather not be abducted by aliens but have everyone think you were or be abducted by aliens and have no one believe you that one that one was a brain tickle what's the bonus um like treatment you get from everyone thinking you're abducted by aliens it Will doesn't specify but it's the sure the government might be tracking you down you might be a celebrity i don't know everyone in the world thinks you were abducted by aliens just no matter how much you categorically deny it or you were physically abducted by aliens, possibly you were autopsied by them and then put back together mm. and then anally probed. I don't know. Maybe you were taken on a joyride and given marijuana. I could not say. But no one in the world but no one in the world will ever that's quite the gamut. No one in the world will ever believe you. Either you get raped or you get to get high. <laughs> that was that was the oh goodness the most interesting one, complex one that I I heard. think that should be the next wild card question for Chad because I did have a would you rather but it's not as good as that I actually want to hear what yours what's was. yours I want to pick mine was uh, would you rather be forgotten or hatefully remembered that's actually I think a good that's one too gonna happen anyway <laughs> what, both. both of them yeah. <laughs> he will be hatefully he will be hatefully remembered and and forgotten hatefully forgotten <laughs> but, do you know uh, do you know Chad <laughs> no God. Oh. <laughs> I don't, how would you hate to forget somebody? That'd be crazy. <laughs> forget them out of spite. Yeah. <laughs> so, what was your answer to that one? For uh, the alien one. To the alien one? Yeah. I think uh, it'd be... Okay. No one wants to get abducted by aliens and then autopsied and then <laughs> anally probed. And, or possibly just smoke some weed with <laughs> the aliens. Can, can I, I think... Uh, that I got that from Paul, okay? Because Paul is coming yeah. out right away. I think the odds are pretty slim that you're just going to get some weed. Probably. So I would just have everyone in the world believe that I was abducted. I could probably milk that for like TV appearances and probably. whatnot, and write a book because everyone will believe it anyway. Here at Sci-Fi, of conventions. just complete yeah. bullshit. Who's that guy? So basically, yeah, he's saying then, that he would be set for life. You could, I mean, meet, you could meet Levar Burton. I would you sit around and get real paid. That's how that would go. I hear that. There you go. So you would lie to people to make money. Yes, absolutely. Good. On record. Yes. I like, I like HBO your HBO miniseries. And finally, Chad our last wildcard question, Colin. So much pressure. I think I've asked this of a More guest before. More bumblebees. 
I've had no more, no more. Okay. <laughs> I have asked this of a guest before, uh, but I wanted to know what your answer would be. Okay. Is a milkshake a beverage or a dessert? You can't say it depends. It's one or the no, other. No, it's a beverage. It's a dessert. It's a beverage. It's a beverage. It's a dessert. You, you can get it with no, your milk. You can get a milkshake with your burger. Yeah, exactly. It's a you don't. You don't. You don't get it separately after the meal. Some people get it with their meal. You don't. People see. You don't get Jello with your meal. <laughs> you don't get soft serve ice cream as part of your meal. No, but okay. No beverage. 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 Thank you. I don't agree, but dessert. I'm gonna celebrate by eating these bumblebees. Thank you. <laughs> Ow! Ow! It hurts. Can I can I make a request? Is when when, when you, next time you have someone like super dignified in the, in these chairs, like when you have the premier, whoever that may be, you know, six eight months down the road, I want I, I request you ask them the, like that question, but run the gamut of you can either be alien pro pro by aliens or smoke some weed, yeah, or eat a handful of bumblebees, or eat a handful of bumblebees. Oh, I don't understand this question. <laughs> That's the premier. Uh, whatever the voter wants me to do. Whatever the good people of Alberta. <laughs> Whatever. The, hard work, the hard-working, industrious people of Alberta. <laughs> Whatever's best for those douchebags. <laughs> yes. Well, guys, that's it. Wow. Yeah, really? Yeah. That was it's, fun. It went fast. Painless. And, indeed, it all started with a single question and snowballed from there. Mm-hmm. It really did snowball. Did. I don't think we stopped. Not really. No, My brain. I have for a long time. That was weird. No, it wasn't. No, not really. It was expected, kind of, oh, okay. a little. The Muppets sort. are... I think people need more Muppet content in their life. I think they do. And I think you'll get it on this show. Chad and Colin, thank you once again for coming out. Thank you very much, boy. Thank you. A lot of fun. Yay. Bumblebees. You've been listening to The Unknown Studio, episode 45. Our guests, Colin McIntyre and Chad Burnett. Pre-production by Adam Rosenhart. Post-production by Scott C. Bourgeois. The Unknown Studio is a proud member of the League of Extraordinary Media. You can visit us on the web at theunknownstudio.ca. Thanks for listening. So the way it goes it's is Colin will, say, Colin will say, Colin will say, hey, Chad, and then you'll say, yes, Colin, and he'll ask you a question. And that's the way it has to be. And then I'll just answer. Give me an exa- we'll give do me, the actual intro for this. Give me an example of a question you will guys we? ask. Of. I think we should, otherwise people will panic. So what would be an example? Uh, hey, Scott. Yes, Adam. My pants hurt. Well, why are you wearing them upside down? That's a good question. Oh, you guys are good. And See, me and Chad have no chemistry, so it, it's kind of like... That's I bullshit. Know. I was listening to you guys' show today, and, and the chemistry I is... actually noticed you have no chemistry, and I was going to bring that yeah, it's Yes! You don't have any chemistry, guys. Seriously, you need to get a chemist on. I did actually fail <laughs> chemistry 20. I know. It comes across. That's what I'm saying.